Hi and welcome to the latest episode of the Leadership Untitled podcast, the show that brings together experts from the world of L&D and all leadership and shares with you their insights and experiences in the hope that maybe you can avoid the traps that we've fallen into. My guest this week is Menika Pothalingam. Now, Menika is the founder of the Smile Leadership Academy, a host of the Meet Menika talk show, and also the author of Resilience Learned. And I can see why she's called it that. Menika's story is of fighting for a better life and trying to bash through the obstacles that have got in her way. But when those obstacles are ones like war, divorce, and depression, you soon realize, in Menika's words, that maybe you're not invincible after all. It's a pleasure to welcome Menika to the Leadership Untitled podcast. Hi, Menika. Welcome to the Leadership Untitled podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you, Rob, for having me. Yes, I'm fine. Brilliant stuff. I always, uh, I always like to start off the episodes by just kind of saying why it is that uh, I've reached out uh, to the people that are coming and come on, and. I think we're going back a, 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 a month or so now, the kind of International Women's Day, um, where I was asking for some examples of fantastic, strong, you know, inspirational female leaders that, that people would recommend that I speak to on the podcast. And yours was one of the names that came up um, on my company page. And people were getting quite excited. You have to speak to Menica. She's amazing. Please do so. And then we uh, we spoke pretty quickly after that, and I, I immediately I could see why uh, that was the case. Uh, as we'll start delving into some of the things today, you know your your story, your background, but then also what now you've you've I guess you've overcome to achieve and do the things that you now do, and achieving the things you're now achieving is is fantastic. It's a it's a it's a great story to listen to. So I now get why they were recommending I speak to you, uh, and hopefully the listeners will will feel the same thing. So for for those listeners then. What would be quite good. Do you want to, to give us a, a bit of a background into yourself, kind of what that uh, that story looks like, what it is that you do today uh, and, and why you do that? Sure. Thank you so much. First of all, it, I've been humbled with what you said. You've been very kind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, taking you back, mm. I am from Sri Lanka as a child. I grew up there in a war zone. And um, unfortunately, I was caught up personally in the war zone and uh, witnessed death, um, almost witnessed when I was around nine years old, um, you know, what people wanted to, with the intention of uh, killing my family. Mm. And then as a young adult, again, witnessed many atrocities. And it teaches one vital thing for you in life. That is, life is so transient and the next thing I learned from pe- witnessing other, seeing other people really, uh, particularly people who were not that fortunate, they were underprivileged because as part of uh, a charity they are called Women's Welfare Association, where my teacher and my mom were part of it. So I, we would visit them to help them in one way or the other. and. What came through for me is the generosity. Mm-hmm. Even if they had one cookie, they were happy to share it with 10 more people. Wow. And they were very welcoming. And even when I had to walk through the jungle at one point, this old man who had only a few crumbles of biscuits was so kind because I was the youngest amongst them. And he was like, you take it and you know from the water so I think I really did learn 
that you don't have to have too much to have the willingness to share and help other people. Mm. You know, you can always do with the little you have. And mm. I think it's a mindset thing more than the capacity or the capability or how rich or educated you are. Mm. I think these are the lessons I really learned from those experiences. Mm. So sometimes, was, it, sometimes it's the, the, the least less that people have the more that generosity actually starts to show. It's, it's kind of ironic when you think about it. It shouldn't be like that. But, you know, I, I, the first thing I thought, right or wrong, when you just said, you know, a person would have one cookie and they'd share it with 10 other people, I immediately thought of 12 months ago when we were first going into lockdown and everyone was fighting each other in the, in the supermarkets for toilet rolls and baking goods and all that sort of stuff. And you go, you know, that's, that's the polar opposite. And, you know, we're not, we're not talking warfare as a child here. <laughs> We're not talking sitting and living and experiencing that war zone every day. We're talking about being in the center aisle in Sainsbury's or something. It's, it's wow. It's so different. Yeah, it's very, very true. Absolutely. Because I go to Asia quite often, even now I have family and friends in India and I have family and friends in Sri Lanka. I think one thing I really find when I go back is that generosity, that deep connection, you know, that warmth. And, you know, they would remember things what you liked as a child after all these years. I think, I think that kind of deep connection is uh, very rare to come by. And that, that is something I learned from there. And of course, I, I was a very confident kid up to that. And then I migrated to India because of my personal experiences of war mm-hmm. and uh, started to study dentistry, became a dentist and uh, started teaching undergraduate students there. However, the journey wasn't easy because I didn't study in English up to going into the university. And... Also, I was the oldest kid because I had to discontinue and start again. Mm-hmm. That my confidence kind of plummeted, you know, that was all time low. And, and also, I think I had always had this desire to fit in and to become, you know, I guess, become one with everyone else. I think we all have that desire. I think Tony Robbins speaks about it a lot. He said that we have this desire to stand out, but we also have the desire to fit in. And it's always the conflict. <laughs> I think, uh, so I, I think luckily I managed to work at it, but initially it was really, really hard. Mm-hmm. I think I am not good enough, definitely kicked in at that point. Uh, because I felt everyone was so much more capable. They were younger, they were, you know, very proficient in English, and then I didn't know the national language. But I think what helped me is to be wanting to learn. Um, So I learned the language, not only to learn, uh, to speak and write and read English very well, but I also learned Hindi. Uh, the national language of India. And I also learned Kannada, which is the local language where I, uh, in Bangalore. So I think that kind of really helped me to integrate to the community really well. I dressed like them, I spoke like them, and I became one of them actually, because Mm. all my friends would say, oh, we often forget that you are not from India, because I had to remind them a conversation will come. And I would say, 
how can I be this part of India or that part of India? I'm not even from India. <laughs> <laughs> so they say, you know, we forget. We have adopted you. Forget about it. You are now Indian for us. I'm like, okay, fine. I embrace it. However, I really see the gifts of it mm. because I earned a lot of families. I learned of friends. And instead of having one family, I always tell I landed up having many more families, which wouldn't have happened if I didn't migrate. Yeah. So, you know, I'm really, really blessed to have those opportunities, particularly coming from a war zone. Mm. I'm very conscious how blessed I am, not only to be able to achieve my dreams, but also to be alive. Mm. to do those things. So I think that was the second piece in my life. And then, of course, I got married and came to the UK. Mm-hmm. In the UK, I had to do my exams again. And now my English became another step further because my accent wasn't good. I always felt, will they understand me? Do I understand them well? Um, <laughs> there are always nuances, isn't it, even in the language? So, yeah. so I was... Uh, practicing as a dentist after a couple of years and owned my practice, was training as a dentist. However, inside me, that confidence wasn't there. I would, you know, stay shy away from presenting something as much as I could because I didn't have that confidence, which is in contrast to this child who would go to all the speech competitions, win them. And, you know, it was my passion to speak. Mm. And I became this person who would do anything to avoid speaking. So, you know, it was a really big transition. I think what happened there is the awareness, isn't it? That's the first piece. I wasn't aware of it, though. It just, you know, I was so caught up in all the motions of life. And I wasn't even aware that I was doing it. Mm. (laughs) So a few years later, just to cut the long story short... Um, I had relationship issues and um, I, I am a single mom. On top of it, I, ha- I was diagnosed with mental health issues and mm-hmm. I was signed off from work. Once I was signed off, I remember telling the doctor, oh God, I cannot deal with this because you are making it worse by asking me not to work mm-hmm. because I am a much better when I'm working because when you're in that hamster wheel you're so used to it you don't know what to do with yourself as as soon as you get off it because you know the world spins (laughs) around you (laughs) (laughs) so I think that was my situation but uh, for me personally that has been a gift because that gave me the space and time to step back and see what who who I am first of all what Mm. is important to me what do I want to achieve? What is my purpose in life? And where is my destination? You know, tomorrow if I'm dropped dead, what do I want to really achieve? And who do I want to be remembered as? Mm. And I, I written an um, article, a post one day saying, you know, what would your eulogy say about you? And I mm. think it all boils down to that for me. So that is the summary of my story. <laughs> I don't think it's a, I think it's a great story. Um, it ties into so much of the stuff that I, I talk about as well. I actually put a post out the other day uh, last week on uh, on LinkedIn, which was talking about you, you can't you can't or you're not a great leader unless your rem- your team remembered you to be a great leader, and that really does tie into that legacy piece and what you what you want to actually achieve in your life. Um, just just around your story there, I think it's I think 
you see, you feel kind of looking blessed to have achieved some of the things that you did there, considering how it all started out for you. And that self-management piece, though, I think that's 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 really key because I'm sure there was other people around you that that not necessarily as simple as this, but could have made some different decisions and decided to do different things where you decided to, to go to India. You decided to learn the language. You decided to learn the local language. You decided to try and integrate as much as you could. You, you, tried, you, you decided to push yourself and educate and do and learn as much as you could. And then you've decided to come to the UK and do it again. And I think there's It'd be interesting what you think about this because sometimes I hear you've mentioned you mentioned uh, um, mental health struggles as well, and sometimes I read that that people will say, you know, it's not a sign of weakness; it's a sign of being having been too strong for too long. Absolutely, is that, is that something you're familiar with? There, is that what you think? Hundred uh, percent. So, firstly, I think what you said is that they say success is when hard work meets opportunity, isn't it? Mm. Um, yes, my parents. I was very lucky and fortunate. I had a very supportive family, and uh, my father wanted me to go to India and study. So I had that opportunity. However, mm. when I went, like exactly like you said, I decided to make that uh, make the most of it and put everything into it. And so that was the hard work and it, and it has been a theme throughout, I guess. Mm-hmm. However, coming to mental health issues, I think when, because partly because I think I came from a war zone, I had, you know, had to migrate twice. I had to learn the language later on. I was a single mom. And I think there was this expect, expectation from me that I, I am, strong and I have to be strong mm. regardless what happens in my life and I think it was a kind of invisible expectation from people around me as well mm. because uh, after a while I think people see you as this positive personality and then uh, particularly being a leader and uh, in healthcare profession I think you learn to wear this mask I call mm. it because uh, for me I was always smiling and uh, that is kind of my trademark. And that's the reason, uh, as you can see behind me, it's uh, my, you know, the, the training institute is called the Smile Leadership Academy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it, for me, but I think I feel I smiled even broader yeah. and partied even harder <laughs> and, uh, you know, and kept busy with my life as the life was throwing things at me, relationship was breaking, I was having health issues, I was having difficult situations all around. However, I was, mm. my way of coping was to keep busy and keep, uh, mm. you know, uh, and smile more and party harder and uh, show I'm strong to myself and everybody else. So that definitely kept me safe, but it also prevented me from getting the right help and asking, mm. Uh, from the right people so I think it's really important once in a while to have that check-in with yourself to see why you are doing things what you're doing things and where you are exactly mm. but I think as you I think you used the metaphor earlier on stepping off that hamster wheel for a moment and just and just watch it just watch the hamster wheel um and it's daft I mean I, I've, I've used a very simple analogy sometimes because it's something I've actually done um that if you as a family if you always go into the living room and watch a movie or watch the tv or whatever it might be and you sit in the same sort of place or you lie on the sofa in a certain direction 
go in there one day, turn the t- leave the TV off and lie on the settee the other way around. Sit in a different part. And it sounds really, really silly to say something like that. But when you do, you kind of go, oh, <laughs> I didn't realize this room looked like this. Or, oh, I've never noticed that before. It's just that, that shaking it up a second, just stepping off the wheel. Because it's that, you know, routine, I think, is, a, is something that a lot of people need. But that routine, when it starts to control you, um, you know, we talk about, I mean, a lot of times in things like uh, NLP, uh, people will talk about um, like the, the unconscious driving phenomenon that you kind of get from A to B and you've forgotten how you got there. You don't remember it. Um, you know, and, and aside from the fact, how dangerous does that sound? <laughs> that, is a, that is a great metaphor for just your everyday life, that how many people are in that track where they kind of feel like they're getting up they're going to work, they're coming home, they're quite tired, they'll watch a bit of Netflix, they'll have some tea, they'll say goodnight to the kids, they'll crash out, get up, go to work, and so on. I think, where did yeah. that day go? I think we had the autopilot mode most of the time, isn't it? Yeah. It's a great tool to have to not to think about every single thing. However, sometimes exactly like you mentioned, that takes over you. And then you become that rather than the day, be, you know, is driven by you. So I think we have to be very conscious of that. And I think people are becoming more and more aware of these things now, which uh, wasn't there, I guess, mm. you know, a few years back, which is a good thing. Mm. And I think these podcasts and talk shows and, uh, um, you know, thought leaders, I think, because and also it's the availability of these resources very widely and mm. i think it has definitely started to um you know make me into you know average person and also i think the pandemic last year has definitely kind of forced it upon us isn't it, to uh, take that space and time well, it's pushed us reflect. off it's pushed us off the hamster wheel it took it away <laughs> um and you know i think that you know it's well, it's really, really interesting again, and I guess, you know, your your opinion on this or your views on this would be, it'd be really interesting to listen to that, you know, all these things that we were doing every day, whether that's you getting on the tube every day, the train every day, driving endless commutes every day, whatever it might have been, suddenly we weren't able to do that. And so many people, don't get me wrong, there's some out there that have completely missed that for the entire 12 months. <laughs> and, and And that's not wrong. Um, but so many people have gone wow actually I've I feel a lot better I feel less stressed I'm getting to spend more time with my family I'm not spending as much time on uh, in traffic and in traffic jams or spending as much on commuting and petrol and all these things and you know five o'clock I'm switched off with my family and I get time for my brain to relax to do things and don't get me wrong We've said about the hamster wheel. That could come a routine that could itself become dangerous eventually. Um, but it's so interesting, like you say, I think that's been forced upon people and they're starting to realise those things. I mean, and again, for you, how's, has that, how's that impacted you over the last 12 months? Um, I think for me, certain things, I I am into this vision boarding and I really believe in these things. So yeah. um, I had a talk show because I'm a big Oprah fan as well. So I had this talk show on my vision board in 2016, 17, um, definitely by 18. Yeah. Um, so, and, but you forget about these things and get on with those, you know, what you are supposed to be doing and what you think you yeah. are supposed to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> so, you you know, and then uh, what happened is, um, for me, this as soon as this um, 
pandemic came, the first thing was for me, uh, I was part of a few charities and my first thing was to help people. So, so I was taking calls till sometimes till midnight. I was taking yeah. the calls for distress calls and stuff. And then a um, couple of dentists um, reached out to me from India saying that they're finding it really hard and it's difficult. What can you do? I said, okay, fine, I'll help you guys out. So what happened as a Facebook group, I just put up a small group and started going live every day and doing something. And from that, um, I started doing the group coaching for free to begin with because you know everyone was in such a bad place mm. then i when i was doing this group coaching there was doctors there were dentists there were you know different professionals and scientists from india as well and we were speaking and one day i said guys it's really getting bad and i can see homicides suicides, everything is happening here what can we do we really want to make a difference and you know one of those like moments and i said can we do something like a show where we get the experts and come and speak about these things, important things, mm. which, uh, because I said, I have been on many of the shows and, but most of the time it is business oriented or leadership oriented instead of that, shall we do something like social for the social cause? Mm. And it was amazing. They said, we will all help you. Uh, <laughs> what is stopping you from being? And I said, I don't have the time and resources to do this right now. And they said, no, we all will help as a team. Brilliant. Let's do it. And so actually, with the people who I was training, they were the first people to start this. And um, right. one of uh, the Toastmasters president where I was the VP shadow in the same club. And I reached out to him because he went to India, actually got ca caught up there. And I reached out and I said, I'm planning to do this. What do you think? And he said, yes. And I asked a couple of more friends and Within 10 days, we just launched the um, uh, talk show. It's called Meet Menaka. And now um, next, this week, it will be 39th episode. So, Brilliant. It's know. amazing what happens when people get together. And, uh, well, I think it was... It was Dan Pink that talked about in terms of motivation. He talked about um, that that we all think of money being the motivating factor behind a lot of work. And he said, and, and it isn't. It's around purpose and autonomy and mastery of doing something. Uh, and that, and what's shining through there is that real collective purpose of trying to achieve something together that people just went, yeah, we're all on the hamster wheel. We're all struggling. We're all tired. We're going to throw in extra time and effort, though, into this because we love it and we want it to work and we want to help you. And, and, you know, I guess part of that came from the fact that you've gone and I want to help you first. You've, you've kind of opened the arms to, to that relationship. Sure. Thank you so much. And I'm really grateful, obviously, as you know, that if there's no team, it's really, really hard if I do, mm. do week after week. And we have had, you know, lots of consultants uh, from medical professions coming and sparing their time. Uh, last time it was an occupational health consultant specialist who um, even he used to work for a long time for Ford. And uh, this week, someone is coming and speaking about the basic financial management mm -hmm. um, who has been, you know, as a you know, part of global uh, you know, industries and uh, corporations rather. So, you know, I'm really, really blessed, I would say, to have the right people around me to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. But I think um, I didn't reach there very easily, I must say that, because for me earlier on, it was uh, more the merrier. Uh, yeah. I, now, I think now I have learned, you know, the Jim Brown thing, isn't it? Keep the five people, average people, um, 
you know so i think uh, i focus on who is good for me rather than in a positive influence and um positive mental frame as well isn't it the positivity mm. people who are happier speaking about um how to develop themselves and others mm. and help others rather than things and people i think mm. i have to really definitely learned that and mode that way I think I think more needs to be said about that. I just think that you know you see so much. I mean, we've we had a chat before, Andrew, when we were talking about entrepreneurs yeah. and and like business coaches, and you see it all over social media that those types of people will be going surround yourself with these entrepreneurs that are making loads of money, and you you want to learn from and do that. But that message tends not to filter down to say if you want to be happy, surround yourself with happy people. If you want to be positive, surround yourself with positive people, yeah. and so on. And if my, if my wife was here now, she'd be kind of shouting at the screen, kind of going, that's exactly it. You know, you attract with your energy, the things that you put out there into the world. Yeah. I mean, thank you so much for mentioning it because as professionals and business people, entrepreneurs, we were always told we have to have the professional success. That is, you know, be all and end all. However, I mean, I write posts and speak about it all the time. If you don't have the personal happiness and personal satisfaction, not only you're making it difficult to reach that success, mm. but it is almost become impossible to sustain it long term, isn't it? So it's yeah. really important to have the knowledge that these are two sides of the coin and both are equally important. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, something else we touched on just before when we were chatting before the show started as well, is that different people will measure success differently. Uh, and sometimes this the hamster wheel that we've talked about now <laughs> we're going to end up calling the episode the hamster wheel because <laughs> we're talking about it too much but anyway it's my fault um you're on that hamster wheel too much that you it's difficult to step off because success breeds success if you're good at something you're going to get better results and then you're going to someone's going to push you or you're going to push yourself to do better again and it keeps going and going and going and, it's, and sometimes that sometimes that the the bubble bursts um it might not be the business it could be yourself it could be your own mental health it could be your well-being it could be your team it could be people leaving whatever it might be that can help some people don't want that the analogy that uh, I, I mentioned that we were chatting about was was golf that you know when you start playing golf when you're on a, a 28 handicap and you're really kind of hacking it around the golf course and having a bit of a laugh uh, with your mates that's great you get a little bit of support a little bit of coaching a little bit of um tutor airship and then go you can quite quickly get better to about an 18 20 handicap but then it's it's a bit more difficult again then to get down to the 10 or 11 and even harder again to get to that kind of zero to nine handicap the effort the energy you need to put in but quite often a trap for lots of people who play golf and the pain the membership fees is they need to get better and better and better and better and some of them, when they just kind of step back, they go, actually, I was I was far happier when I was playing off 18 with my friends. And I wasn't as good, but we had a great laugh and loads of fun and went to the bar afterwards. I want that again. <laughs> it's true. It's true. People do beat themselves up with success. Uh, I mean, I cannot agree more because uh, I always talk about success being very different things for different people because it could be million dollars for someone 
for some people it's just traveling and photography yeah. and for some people being spending more time with the family and friends and for some people it's just having that cup of coffee peacefully or you know uh, going for a spa so you know i think there's no right or wrong answers i think it is so important for us to embrace and accept that different things are different uh, have different uh, importance for people 100% absolutely and i think you know going back to weaving it into what you said about the last 12 months i think that people have started to realize the things that, that possibly always should have been important and now they're realizing just how important they are um because i mean i've spent i've spent so many days having lunch with my wife and for the first nine, 10 years of marriage, we very rarely had a lunch <laughs> together. Um, I've spent so much time over the last uh, 10 or 11 months um, outside of school holidays, either taking kids to school or picking them up. It's been fantastic. Absolutely. Fa- I don't, I don't, and I don't want to let those things go. I want to be able to do those things still because it makes me happy. And uh, speaking of happy, we're going to get onto your smile. <laughs> so for those uh, those listening to the podcast and not watching on YouTube, you have got the big smile logo in the background on the video. Um, but I mean, it's uh, in the context of it, it's the Smile Leadership Academy. So you've got the Leadership Academy. Uh, you've also got the show that you mentioned and you've got the book. I think was it Resilience Learned, was it? Resilience Learned. So it's the memoir, the story. And uh, the main aim of that book was to give hope to and to make people believe regardless where you come from, mm-hmm. what happens to you, it's in your hands to become who you want to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can always make that happen because I am from a small town, <laughs> you know, so studied English, as I said, very late in my life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and now I teach and train leadership and resilience to organizations and uh, professionals. So it has, life has definitely taken a um, totally different um, path for me. And I think every decade has somehow changed in a, and brought me into a totally different way. <laughs> but I wish someone told me when I started my career, even much younger to me, saying, what is really important? You know, when I do these trainings now, I do the value exercise. What, what, what are you? Who are you? What is more important to you? And then we also do this um, purpose exercise where you are going to be. What is really important? What do you want to become? Mm. And like I said, who do you want to be remembered as? Mm. And then it becomes so much more easier to plan and that carve out that path and become productive, you know, perform better mm. if you want to profit, to get the profit. But I think it's those fundamental things have to be in place mm. before you go to the next step and do the so you know when in my trainings it's like a full circle of the, the both the combinations of things because i think i really believe those are mm. well i think it's the order of these things i mean you you struggle to go into a big company and not see values somewhere on the wall or on the internet pages or whatever it might be but if you decide what it is you're building and you've got the products and you've got the structure and then you try and decide the values that you want to underpin that, that's very different to building everything upon a foundation of values. And I think that, well, I love the fact that that's what you, you do first. 
because I think that if you understand why you want to do something before you do, before you build the way you're going to do it, sure. it gives you that it gives you that impetus to be able to then filter all those decisions that you're going to make back through that purpose and back through those values to keep yourself on the straight and narrow and, and true to why you did it in the first place. So true, because you know, we were chatting about Simon Sinek before, isn't it? And mm. I think that's what he is like big advocate of the purpose, because I think we start sometimes with the, with a lot of clarity when we start. And then I think it's also important to understand that as you go along and grow and develop and become, you know, we, you know without doubt, we will change and shift, mm-hmm. but we have to perhaps check in back, leaning back to see, are we still having those values? Are those values changed? Oh, you know, is that still your purpose? Is that the impact you still want to leave? But I yeah. think you still have to take the space and time to understand and make others around you understand as well. Mm. That's what you want. Yeah. And, you know, and ask others, because sometimes you mentioned Simon Sinek, he, he talks about the fact that it's so difficult to actually find those words within yourself. Um, because it just feels like something you do. You don't put a label on it. You, know, you don't put a label on your thoughts and those sort of things. Whereas other people can very much more easily articulate, it seems, what it is that you seem to stand for. Well, you're great at this and you seem to value that and you're always this. Am I? Um, and it sounds, sometimes to yourself, it sounds boring when other people say it, but there you go, no, that's really valuable. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, God, I was, I, start, I couldn't stop smiling because um, I was thinking of uh, the word, what to you know, use, why, what kind of coach I want to become, initial stages. And then um, even when I started writing the articles and book, one of my mentors once told me the entire life of yours can be captured in one word that is resilience yeah. and yeah. you know you you must use it and that's how my book is called resilience learned and um, because i think um, it is also important for people to understand it is a skill you can learn. you know you don't have to be born uh, you know born with it and i think mm-hmm. it's the same with leadership isn't it there was a thought or belief uh, that leaders are born um, you know, they're born leaders, but it's not the case. And exactly mm. like that, this resilience also can be taught. So, you know, that was my word and the Taha moment. So, yeah, exactly. And, well, I, I love the fact that, that I mean, I, I've obviously got the big learning background and it's learning and leadership is what I talk about so much. Uh, and the fact that it says resilience learned really catch my eye because I, I'm a big believer that you, you learn resilience that's the way you know that i think that i talk about 70 20 10 quite a lot and i know that 70 20 10 gets beaten up so much by people um ironically because of the numbers um it's you know if it didn't call itself that if it called it abc and just explained what abc was and there's more of c than there is of this or whatever then then i think more people would would not object to it and they'd embrace it um but i think it's really important that resilience it's so much more effectively learned by actually going through those hardships or difficult times or whatever it is and coming out the other side of them. And it's much more difficult to be able to do it than, than read a book or watch a video and think, well, hey, I've got a certificate. Um, but it, it's obviously much more effective at the end of it. So how do you kind of translate that? So because your story is one of you, you've, you've learned resilience. Uh, and at the same time with that, uh, it actually, it's a note that I made when we spoke um, a few weeks back that you talked about um, being uh, almost being invincible or feeling you had that level of invincibility. 
So you're kind of building up the resilience without realizing it. And you're kind of really feeling invincible or considering you have to be invincible more consciously. How do you then translate that into um, a program or a course that helps other leaders become resilient? So I think um, leadership and resilience alike, I think we build it over time, like you said, uh, most of the time subconsciously, unconsciously. Mm-hmm. And my aim is to make it a thing to, for leaders and professionals to learn it consciously. Mm. and understand why it's a really a big part of being a good leader, being a good professional, because otherwise you won't be able to sustain and you can have burnout and uh, you know might make the wrong choices. It will have impact on your personal and professional lives. Yeah. So I think for me, the first piece is um, for the leadership, I have this whole program, but again, for the resilience, I think for me, first thing is to think what you know, what do you want? What are you? And, you know, look back and what happened. And when you look back, it doesn't have always to be bad things, right? Some of the things are good because often when something bad happens, we put everything aside saying this, we want to forget about it. Mm. We just don't want to think about it, but that's not the case. Mm. So only by looking back, you will learn the mistakes you made. And of course you can make, become a better person, but also which will help you to pick up those things which you did well. Yeah. And, you know, take it, take that forward. And I think that after the awareness, you have to be able to analyze, but you have to be very honest with yourself. And I think that takes courage. And it's not comfortable to analyze yourself sometimes. And I think that's where mentors and coaches and other people come into play, like you said, because it's so much easier, at least in the initial stages, to have those people to pull you up and say, "Mm, okay, but why is that? What would that be? And what if if this is not really what happened? Because we come up with answers why it happened and what happened in our own way. But that doesn't really mean it's always true, right? I think it was Brené Brown who spoke about having an honest lie. Um, So, you know, it can, it it is your truth, but it doesn't really mean it is the absolute truth. Yeah, it's like um, like a mini hamster wheel cogged into all the other ones, isn't it? You're on that one, you believe that, (laughs) and there it goes. (laughs) So I think that's why it's important for you to analyze it properly, what really went wrong, um, and break it down to pieces and components and what really went wrong, and learn from what you can learn. Appreciate the good things, and Mm. you know, uh, don't blame anyone for anything i think that is mm. the victim mentality isn't it including yourself yeah uh, you know and that is a very important piece particularly for me i know you know for the first person you beat uh, so much about is yourself because yeah. sometimes sometimes even when i'm training i tell um, my clients like you know uh, if you speak this like this to anyone else you won't have any friends left yeah uh, but, you know, we we are the hardest and harshest to ourselves, right? Mm. So that's, I think that is also important. But then, and be compassionate, mm. you know, forgive, forget whatever happened to, to yourself and to others. It's really important. Once you analyze them, 
you put it in a pot and um, you know what you want to do with it. I think next piece is knowing the gap, isn't mm -hmm. it? I, in the leadership I, uh, um, training also, I talk about minding the gap mm. because um, it's really important for you to know, okay, here, this is where here I am because we have looked at your past. Now you're looking at your present. Yeah. You know uh, what, where you are, what you know and what you don't know. And then look at where you want to be or where you would want to, be, you know, who you want to become, mm -hmm. who you want to serve, whatever you want to do. And how is the best way to go there? And I think, again, it is the piece, isn't it, where other people help you out to make that path a bit shorter, easier. Yeah. Um, and I have been very blessed to have a lot of good mentors and coaches mm. uh, all the time to help me to get there. Yeah. And it is work in progress, isn't it? Mm. It's never like one day you decide and next day it's done. So no. I think it's planning and crafting that pathway is great. Mm -hmm. But however, I think you have to be very conscious, particularly changes the constant denominator. Last year has definitely taught us that. Yeah. And uh, so we have to be able to navigate, reroute and um, adapt ourselves to be able to get where we want to get. Mm. So it's like I often tell um, the professionals, if your kid is um, uh, stuck on the other side and there's a roadblock, you're not going to say, okay, fine, I'm just going to turn back and go back home. Mm. You're going to find a way to get there and pick up your kid. And it's exactly the same thing. It's about priority. And I think it's like um, someone told me the other day, it's about the North Star. And I love the idea because when you know that's your North Star and that's where you want to go and that's what yeah. it is all about, then you find ways to get there. Yeah. But I think it is also equally important to check sometimes to see, are you ch chasing the wrong thing? Yeah. Because sometimes you get so caught up and chasing the wrong thing. I think it's, it's a balance between yeah. that. Um, and I think once you get there, I'm really very conscious that people have to have accountability partners. Some kind of accountability has to be there. Yeah. You need to have people to give genuine, honest feedback, sometimes the hard truths to be told to you. And then I think it is also important to understand that it is a progress is a journey. It's not a destination. Mm -hmm. Right, success. So you have to keep progressing. You have to keep learning. You have to keep navigating, and uh, you know it is really, really important. And then, of course, the support from mm. those uh, five people or family, friends. Mm. Uh, what kind of uh, support you have? And the last piece for me, I think, is um, to know, uh, you know, like to know when to stop. Yeah. You know? Because particularly with professionals and leaders and entrepreneurs, we are kind of sometimes a personalities. And um, I often talk about even when we go for a walk, we are counting how many steps done, five steps, 5,000, 10,000, yeah. <laughs> you know, cooking, like how we measure this matter, um, uh, particular measurement yeah. to put the recipe. Sometimes once in a while, it's okay to just step back and just enjoy the process and yeah. then not get so caught up in the process. Funny you should say that, you know, my, my daughter is 15 now. So we must be going back four or five years at least. Uh, and um, my wife, Gina and Lauren, they were going to make a going to make a cake together. Yeah. Uh, and Gina was loving the fact that we're going to spend some time together in the kitchen. But but Gina 
was also slightly frustrated that, that Lauren wasn't going to like do the measurement right quite the same or not do it as she wanted to do it. And I just said, why don't you just both stand back a second? Why don't you just say, forget the picture or the title in the cookbook. Why don't you just say you're going to make a disaster cake? Make it fun. You make a disaster cake and whatever comes out, it's a disaster, <laughs> whether it's good, bad, indifferent, whatever it is. And they had the best time doing that. Um, and I think for the, the kind of reasons that you're doing, it's that, that pressure or following too much. And I'm I'm quite a logical person, so I can get caught up in that detail sometimes. Um, a, a question that I love uh, to get people thinking, it's one of, the, one of my favourite coaching questions of mine, is to play the devil's advocate. Because you're quite right, I think you need different people but sometimes if you've not got that around you um and it works for me because again that logical person is to almost put a different persona on for a second to say okay you are beating yourself up you're blaming all this you you think you're not good enough with this you think that was a disaster whatever it might be if you were working as a lawyer for the defense if you were playing that devil's advocate how would you convince the jury that this wasn't your fault how would you convince the jury that this actually was a success and this actually has been a good thing for you? And that's an extreme as well, because I'm sure there were some things that, that weren't a success, but equally it wasn't a complete disaster. What, what, how, would you, how would you fight that battle? Um, and some of the answers start coming out there, like some of the things you've been drawing out, like, well, actually, yeah, well, I learned that from it and that's going to be really useful going forward because of X, Y, and Z. Great, what else? And it really kickstarts that way of thinking. Thank you so much. Yes, it, it does. Because I think we have this mentality, everything has to be perfect somehow. And there's no perfect life, no perfect Never. person, <laughs> isn't it? So I think it's really, really important. And I think the other thing you touched upon is when you ask for advice and guidance, it's also important to see are, the, are those people or is that person... Um, equipped to give you that advice and yeah. uh, because sometimes you could ask the advice from the wrong person and it is more damaged than good isn't Absolutely. it so yeah so I think uh, that is also important I think in resilience I think I have to mention emotions as well uh, yeah. you know and the thoughts the beliefs the mechanism which goes behind all that isn't it because we mm -hmm. do things because I also of course like success um, you know, habit builders because it's also not knowing what brings you down but yeah. it also knowing what lifts you up and to understand the mechanics behind it isn't it why do you do things yeah. <laughs> so the emotions the thought processes what you have the you know core beliefs you have built over time the, mm. the experiences are they influencing who you are today and what you are doing and can you you know, adapt and change and, uh, you know, make it better to serve you more, yeah. to become the person who you really want to. And I, I think um, emotions are a good thing because sometimes we, you know, always want to be happy with this joy. Yeah. And, but it's, you know, sadness and anger. So they are all there for a purpose. They're sometimes protective for you. So I think yeah. it's important to understand those mechanisms behind it as well. Mm. I think, you know, as what you're talking about, building a, a close network of people, 
um, my man goes, so the people who follow me on particularly uh, LinkedIn um, will know the story of my wife over the last 12 months of the fact that she found uh, a lump in her breast, had breast cancer, mm-hmm. chemotherapy, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and hopefully they've seen the great news as well that she's absolutely clear now and back at work yeah. and loving life. Um, but when it comes to needing certain things from certain people, she's got a fantastic network of friends, really, really has. Um, and it was really important, the kind of, that's weird to say, the kind of role that I played in in that time was helping her identify which friend she needed at which moment. And that's not because there's a better friend or a worse friend or anything like that, because sometimes sometimes Gina just needed to cry with someone. And that would be a certain friend I thought, that's the person. Sometimes she needed to kick up the backside. <laughs> and I know the friend that will give her a kick up that side and it'll be all brilliant. Um, sometimes you just need to think about it in a different way. And that tended to be me. And, you know, and sometimes it was, she just needed a big cuddle off her kids, <laughs> whatever, whatever it might be. So understanding that. And I think, you know, when, when you talk about that self-reflection piece and stopping the wheel for a moment, analyze yourself. Yeah. And analyze and become aware of what it is you need and what it is you, you're after that North star. Mm-hmm. And start identifying the people that can help you, but understand their strengths and their roles as well. Why are you so good together? What is it, you know, look back on those friendships, their values and what have they done to you? They've been the person that pushes you and gives you that kick to go further. They've been the person that's always been there when the makeup's running and you're crying or whatever it might be. What what are they? What's their superpower with you that makes you such good friends? Uh, and, and that really, really helped her, I think. Absolutely, yes. I'm like, I couldn't agree more because uh, I'm sure most of us agree, right? We have friends, for a, there's some friends we want to go and have a laugh and uh, have fun. And uh, and then there are friends who you want to have a serious conversation and you really value their opinion about decisions you want to make. Yeah. Then you have these friends who are always there to support you and they know exactly the right thing to say when you're upset, yeah. right? And sometimes and, you don't want them to say it, but you need them to say it. <laughs> well, you're right, so don't say that. <laughs> and, um, and there are friends who would uplift you yeah. and uh, push you to move forward and look out for bigger things. Mm-hmm. and uh, give you that confidence to say you can do this and you can you should dare to dream and right now he's not my official mentor but um, I uh, came to know him through another charities I work and you know I know that he'll give a totally different perspective on things sometimes and obviously he comes from a corporate background so he, he does that um, you know um, it's for you to you you must do it you can't do it but sometimes I'm also because I'm an empath and HSP and um, connection is high on my value so I can get into this um, nurturing mode quite a bit and then forget about the business side of it and so he would uh, say to me yes okay fine that's great but um how are we going to sustain this? <laughs> what is going to happen? Yeah. Uh, you know, the sustainability has to be questioned here. So I think it's having those different people and knowing who um, will um, be able to support you in mm. certain moments in your life. And, um, you know, having that in your tool could definitely helps. Mm. 
Mm. And, and, and it's, that's exactly the reason that I, I always encourage people to say, you know, get yourself a coach and get yourself a mentor, get yourself more than one mentor, yeah. because you might want someone who mentors you in how to be a successful salesperson, but another person that mentors you in another business skill or another one, and, and, and maybe even different coaches for different things. Um, please go out and find them. So, so we've touched on the, the, the academy. Obviously, we've touched on the, the, the book and then the role that plays in the academy. What, what, else, what else works in there? What, what else do you go through with, with leaders who are, who are working with you? So leaders, um, so mine, one is it says, um, first is self-leadership bit. Mm-hmm. So in that, it is, it's called simple. So, so you know, just do it because it is simple. <laughs> we make it very complex, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, so the first thing is to know your core values, who you are, and then be very clear who you want to be. So the goals um, you want to set for yourself. Yeah. It could be personal and professional, but I think it, it's like um, going on a journey, not knowing where you want to land up, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I, it's amazing, like for, even for a weekend away or even for a day trip, how much effort and time we put in, isn't it? Thinking where we are going to go, what we want to do, <laughs> how we want to dress, uh, what, where we are going to eat, where we are going to visit. But when it comes to our life, suddenly we just don't think about it. Yeah, yeah. as much it's like so you know that's what I make them kind of go through and think for themselves and I think uh, I call myself the change catalyst dentist so I think you know it is about putting the thought in their mind and giving those mm-hmm. tools and exercises and they will come up with their own answers most of the time and you can you know nudge and help and guide if you need to at, at some point and so I think that is important. So once they know themselves and then the other pieces, uh, what I go through is how conscious are they about their conflicts, the compromises they're making, the okay. complaints they are you know, going through. And also the impact, uh, the second piece is all about impact. So impact and influence actually. What is the impact and influence you're having on yourself? by external forces and internal forces Mm. because yes people around you places around you things around you have an impact on you it's very very important for you to understand that however it is also important to understand your experiences your emotions the way you think the way you process things you know your perspectives how Mm. is how are those things impacting you because i think it's equally important to know that so I think that is the second one. And then, of course, it's all about the mindset. And this is where I speak about um, the mechanics behind it. Yeah. You know, that break down the emotions, why you, know, you are doing something. It is, um, you know, just having motivation itself is not enough. <laughs> you know, we all have been there, isn't it? In New Year's Day, we all want to lose 10 kilos, uh, run a mountain. <laughs> but, you know, we need other tools to be in your toolkit to be able to do it. Yeah. And also, why we fall sometimes, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Albert Einstein said, isn't it, to keep doing the same thing and expecting different results is insanity and yeah. but consciously or unconsciously most of the time we are doing that yeah so you know to make um, them think that i going to wake up and think and uh, so i think it's understanding the mechanics behind what you do is really really important because yeah. um uh, so i think that is um that bit and then of course about 
for planning. For me, it is, uh, you know, it is annually, you know, quarterly, weekly, daily, because um, I, I often say this analogy in 2018, actually, I wanted to publish the book. But it uh, remained a dream at the end because, you know, I never um, went through the right processes, I guess, in a way, because in 2019, I had this big plan. I knew that by like in this time of the year, we will have to finalize and process. And I knew to, um, I need a publisher, I need an editor, mm -hmm. I need the cover. So, you know, th that kind of was different. And this Harvard study, isn't it? Um, they say even the Harvard Business School people, they know only 3% was uh, very clear about what they wanted and um, they wrote it down and <laughs> they made sure it happened. And 10 years later, they were so much more successful and more likely to you know, achieve what they wanted to achieve. So mm. that clearly shows us that uh, that's the way to go. Mm. But, it, but I think it's equally important to plan your personal life mm. and give space in that planning for failing mm. and rerouting and mm. navigating. And I think that is a very important piece, which we often don't consider because we assume somehow when we start, everything is going to go to plan. You yeah. know, like, um, so, you know, look around, isn't it? Um, you know, we all have witnessed death or known someone who has witnessed death, illness, like you said about yeah. your wife, right? But, and, um, you know, I had war, I had migration, I had health issues. And, uh, but somehow it all seemed to throw us out of balance totally. It's like it is, it, it only happens to other people. It will never happen to us, yeah. isn't it? So I think it's really important to consider when you're planning, things could go wrong. Mm. And um, if it does go wrong, if this is the plan B, and it's okay if you don't publish the book, two thousand, it's not the end of the world. Well, it's that it's that um, it's that mission to find perfection again that you mentioned earlier on. Yeah. Uh, that if you if you got that plan and you and you will only measure your success based on achieving that plan. Yeah. then you become blind to some of the things around you that are dragging it back or or trying to convince you or give you a nudge whereas if you actually yeah. put time in and space in and have that network that we talked about to, to coach and guide yeah. it could have been i think it was one of the um uh i think the book because it's something like think fast and think slow or think slow and think fast whichever way, whichever way around the title is and I think one of the one of the guiding things is in there is really think about this because sometimes you can just be putting more and more energy into something that isn't going to work because you want it to so much and you're okay. blind to the fact that now is the right time to go let's not throw more time after the bad time we've already spent or more money after bad money now's the time to kind of step back and go write that off Right off the yeah. losses, think about something different. Think of another route. Yeah, I think also like I wrote about perfe perfection, not per uh, you know, progress, not perfection. Um, mm. You know, one thing, like you said, it is really important um, to get there. You need to know what is happening. You need to understand what's happening there. Yeah. But also to know that sometimes you have to navigate things. It's okay mm. not to be okay sometimes, you know, you have to just, uh, you're human. And and third important thing, I think in that piece is celebrating yeah. whatever you have, you know, because uh, be grateful for what you have. Um, celebrate small successes, which I never did because I, my parents loved me dearly, but my, you know, 
um, when I got nine out of 10, the question was why I got one wrong rather than uh, how I got nine. (laughs) So I grew up thinking nine out of 10 is not good enough. Mm. So I think it's really important to understand how milestones, small milestones, Mm. celebrate those, uh, even as a team, celebrate those things. And I think that will make a huge difference going forward. Oh, definitely. I think there's actually, I I don't know how how true the story is, but there's a YouTube thing that goes around now and again on social media about a teacher standing at the front of the class and doing, I think it was something like six or eight sums on the board and gets the last one wrong and all the kids point and laugh at the teacher because they got it wrong. Uh, But the lesson wasn't math. The lesson was you've all pulled out the one mistake. None of you have actually said anything about the six or seven that I got right. Um, And I think you're right on that, that, you know, and don't get me wrong, I'm a parent, I fall foul of it too. Why did you get that one wrong? What did you do wrong? (laughs) It's a trap. Um, But being able to celebrate, wow, that is great. Well done. Nine out of 10 is amazing. You've done really well there. Let's have a look at that one that you got wrong as well. Let's see how we could make it better next time if you want to. And so they feel that success as well as the impetus to want to do it more. Otherwise, I, I guess what you're saying is if you always if you're always pushed and feel yeah. coerced into perfection, you're always actually destined to feel like you're failing. Yeah. I think the most important bit you said there was the if you want to. Mm. Because we assume everybody wants to get 10 out of 10. It's a good mm. thing. And uh, I am a bit like that as a parent as well. But I think sometimes <laughs> you have to understand the child perhaps is happy with the nine out of ten, or at that moment is not the right moment to tell that. No. I, I have been there, done it, and definitely learned that that's not the right time to say it. Yeah, yeah. And for all we know as well, you know, these things are all contextual. So for all we know, all the other kids in the class might have got six out of ten, and nine was a phenomenal performance because mm-hmm. it was actually above the age level they were doing it, or something like that. Yeah. And you kind of go, well, you really shouldn't be beating someone up for getting the one wrong now, uh, even more than ever. But that is that is it's a very good analogy, I think, for the way that we we do work. And 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 again, that comes back to possibly how you've been managed and led in the past, um, which is again that leadership piece. Um, so you know when you when you do this for for um, leaders, then does it does it tend to be all levels of leaders, um, or is it particular levels of leaders? Mostly professionals mm-hmm. and middle management, really. Um, most of the times, so unless I do a lot of charity, um, you know, social for the social cause, I do webinars and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. um, anyone is welcome to come in. But most of the time, when I do through the um, as a profession, I think it's mostly professionals and middle management. And I just love the fact you said that as well, that we, you know, the kids speaking of that last sum is like, is, is this theory, isn't it? We have 60 to 80,000 um, thoughts a day and 80% of them are usually negative. Yeah. And you know, I think we are somehow attracted to those things. I think it's just when you become conscious of it, we can think, mm, okay, is that falling into that 80%? I better, you know, think about something to counteract. Mm. I think, but it comes of the consciously knowing it. Mm. Well, you know, rewind uh, 12 months and the weather was nice. It was the first period of lockdown. People were kind of worried about what all this meant and didn't know where, how long it was going to last. But the amount of people, including myself, that sat in the gardens going, are there more birds than there normally are? Or have we just sat down and noticed them for the first time? (laughs) 
and those birds have probably always been there or certainly somewhere close by and not necessarily flying around so much in the air, whatever it might be. But just taking that moment again, just to take stock, get off the hamster wheel again, see what's going on. Uh, and you, you can make better, more mindful decisions. Uh, and I think that's the key there, that people will hear a term like mindfulness. And then they, they, they really immediately link that to something like meditation. And then they immediately start thinking, that's not for me. I don't want any of that little wishy-washy stuff, fluffy stuff. I need to get the results in this. But, but mindfulness is not, doesn't have to be about that. It can be a lot simpler than that. Just being present, you know, cooking a meal, uh, washing a dish, uh, going for a walk, uh, speaking to you now. Um, mm. You can still be very mindful because just be present and be focused and uh, don't allow anything else to distract you at that moment. Or at least be aware that something else is distracting you. Absolutely. Yeah. Put the, put the phone in another room or... I think it was Celeste Headley in her TED talk around uh, 10 rules for a better conversation. And um, she would, she would talk about be in the conversation or get out of the conversation, not in the middle, <laughs> just focus on one or the other. <laughs> but so many of us, some, oh, I think it was Covey who was saying, we, we think about, we do it with the intent to reply rather than actually listen. Yeah, understand. Be present. Yeah. We, we listen to reply, not to understand. Yeah. And uh, I have friends like that. And sometimes I'll have to say, it looks like you're distracted or you're, you know, something else in your mind. So can we have this conversation another time? I used to be that person. I used to be the multitasking queen, but I have learned the hard way. It doesn't serve me and it doesn't serve anybody else. So, you know, as well as mm. not do it. So if we kind of come into the, into the world that we are now and, and we're recording this at, towards the end of April and we're getting into a, people started to get back to work a little bit but also the world is kind of going we've enjoyed some of the stuff we've been doing and some of the companies have actually made decisions to go you know let's carry on doing that and yeah. we're not going back into offices yeah. what what are the what are the what are the challenges that you see that leaders are going to have over the next 12 months and what are the what, what's really important for them to to have support on in their lives i think we are definitely heading towards a new normal for sure mm -hmm. and i think um Personally, I don't think we're ever going to go back to exactly how we were because we have changed wars, pandemics, uh, you know, all these things change people. And that's a fact. Uh, and I think being conscious of um, what you want to do as a business or a leader and uh, consult your team and think what is important for them. Sometimes you might have to change the team if, if your purpose has changed and the way you want to work change. But, but it's, regardless, it's important to consult them because, you know, sometimes when you listen to other people, you get much many more great ideas. Yeah. And also to have that balance and well-being and, um, uh, you know, it's not always the long, working the long hours is always not going to give you the more productivity. Mm. It is about, uh, you know, outcomes, how effectively people work, regardless for how many hours they work. Mm. And I think also knowing the ill effects of, um, you know, long commutes and uh, difficulties. And when I have been a working single mama, you know, like it's a balancing, all that. On the other spectrum, however, it is about some people need that social interactions, yeah. you know, it's because it's not work is just not work for them because mm. they go, they make friends, they have that coffee, they go out for the chat. So 
you know, do you have people like that in your team? Mm. And or might be having a balance of a hybrid working environment. Yeah. You know, so you know, it is easy to work at home or work away as much as you can, but then uh, have those moments when they can come in and uh, speak about them openly. And I think having that open door policy, and um, I think it is next year. I feel it's going to be changing rapidly. Mm. And personally, I feel it's going to change for better because mm. I think it's going to be more purpose-driven and more well-being focused. And um, uh, we are definitely going to focus more on deeper connections and uh, building people up rather than the other way. At least that's the hope. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's, 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 there's quite a few bigger companies that have struggled during this time and lots of smaller companies and more kind of boutique restaurants and brasseries, that sort of stuff. There's the sort of smaller pubs and little clothes shops and loads of all that sort of stuff has been coming more and more to the front again. And all that is driven from a purpose and, 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 and values and what people enjoy. Uh, I was chatting with um, someone on LinkedIn uh, a few weeks back now, and they, they were talking about what you just said there about missing that social interaction with with friends or colleagues or whatever it might be. And what they actually, one of the things we actually came to, we said, well, you know, could you use a Zoom room for this? Could you could you create something? Um, and again, the, the warning there or the, the trap not to fall into was to put that at certain times so people felt like it was, it was forced, you had to go and socialise because that doesn't happen in a work environment. And one of the things they were actually thinking about then going away and trying after we chatted was just have a Zoom room, a Zoom room that's open all day. And if at any moment someone's feeling like they, they just want to need a break or they've grabbed a coffee uh, or they actually just want to talk to someone about it, but not no one in particular, you can just kind of open that Zoom room, open that Zoom room up. And there could be two people in it. There might be 50 people in it. You might want to chat with certain people. You can break off and do other things. But just for a moment, just going to go, hey, how, how's people doing? You feel part of that community again of people that you don't speak to because the trap is that when you work like this all the time, you only get in touch with people when you need something or you need to ask a question. Yeah. And that's draining for everybody. Yeah. And you miss out on that community and that feel. Yeah. And the learning environment as well sometimes, isn't it? Mm. Being able to learn from each other, yeah. You know, that people think about sometimes this coaching and mentoring is, is has to be only a professional thing, but it isn't. It's, it's those over-the-water cooler chats that people call them. Yeah. Or when you're making a coffee or going for a walk over lunch, so much is learned from each other mm. by doing that. So put aside, put in those times. And you know what? It doesn't have to be Zoom because you're on Zoom all day. <laughs> it might be go, you know, put your earphones in, go for a walk, set up a, a clubhouse uh, session, uh, just talk to each other over WhatsApp for a moment. Anything you want to go for a walk and sit in the sun, do it. Nowadays, as we are in April, you can go and sit in a beer garden. <laughs> go and do that. Go and sit in a park for, for, for a group of six of you and have some time if you're lucky enough to, to live close enough to each other because it's, it's so important, so important. So, what's, uh, so what, what's next on the agenda for you? Then? What does the next kind of coming out of lockdown and over the next sort of nine to 12 months look like for yourself and, the, and smile? So the long-term vision for me, is always to build some training centers in Asia for women mm -hmm. and also have some holistic health centers. Mm -hmm. So I feel um, that's my North Star. So I'm, you know, whatever I'm doing is to build up, up towards that. And I love my group coaching sessions. So I'm going to keep doing them. 
However, like I, um, we are speaking right now with some um, hospitals in Nigeria, and uh, I went and did a lecture about leadership in Dubai into an American university. Mm-hmm. So um, I think I one of my values is also freedom and mm-hmm. um, my parents went back home and I want to travel more and I want to have that freedom. I think I would love to be able to do that in the next few years to travel more and uh, but have a balanced life at the same time. And uh, I don't think I would be doing so much of individual training, individual coaching so much now. And it will be more towards, I mean, I'm glad I started the group co- online group coaching in the, during the COVID, yeah. um, um, whereas I was doing the, you know, David's before. And I think it has definitely made me realize that I can connect to people that have coached, individually have coached before as well from Canada, from New Zealand. However, the group coaching, it is so much fun because everybody mm. brings so much different perspectives because, you know, some were from India, some were, uh, for a couple of them were from Dubai and yeah. a few of them for, and it's not only for me because they, we always make these groups afterwards and they were connecting and they were speaking to each other, you know, with you know events like WhatsApp, they were all connecting, how they were being accountable and supporting each other. Mm. It is amazing. Amazing. So I think I will uh, keep doing that going forward, really. I, and I think that's amazing because I think you know people beat themselves up thinking that to coach you need to be a coach with a professional qualification and an accreditation behind you, and otherwise we can't do that. But just that getting together of people and, and asking each other questions. I mean, about sometimes when you're running that kind of group coaching facilitation, sometimes you probably just sit back and it runs itself because it, because of the coaching style that's taken over. Is that did you, did you find that happens? Definitely, because every single time the feedback has been, the when we go through the questions and answer sessions, that's the sessions they love. Brilliant. So, you know, um, and like you said, I learned from everybody else as much as they learned from me, because it's a, you know, very productive environment where everyone is open for learning and that they, they are the kind of people who come into those things. So, Yes, oh, I think you are correct in that. Yeah, brilliant. So we've come to the we've come to the part of the show then, where we have a quick look back over all the things we've been talking about, um, as we are leadership untitled, and then come up with a, a title for this episode. So, Menica, where's you thinking? What what what's been standing out for you that you think we could uh, blend into there? Lead with resilience. Lead with resilience, yeah, definitely. Because, because I think you asked a, a quite a broad question about resilience in the middle of the podcast. So, but I will leave. I will be happy to take any uh, titles that you feel fit. Uh, well, under the thoughts, I, I had a, had a couple of things in there. Resilience certainly was in there. Um, you talk obviously. I think you talked about minding the gap. Um. just the fact that I know those people who aren't watching on YouTube don't get the full benefit of it, but the big smile behind as well. Um, I I wondered if there was something between smile and resilience. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you're master of words. (laughs) (laughs) Not not at all. Not at all. uh, Let's put that down. So you've got smile resilience or something. something Smile 
with resilient, smile and be resilient. <laughs> oh, smile and learn resilience. There you go. Resilience uh, there and learn. You go. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I'll make a note of that and we'll do that. That's absolutely brilliant. I thoroughly enjoyed that. If you um if people would like to get in touch with you or follow what you're doing or watch the the show that you do or what's the best way of them doing that? So my website is menaka.co.uk, but um, on most social medias, and I have a YouTube channel called Meet Menaka. Um, mm-hmm. It's easy. And um, for my talk shows, I'm on LinkedIn. It's Menaka Portalingam. So they can um, contact me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube. The, and my email is info at menaka.co.uk. You're everywhere. <laughs> brilliant stuff absolutely love that i will put the links for those things for the listeners there in the show notes on youtube and on the podcast so if you if you're listening to this and would like to get in touch or, or follow menica in any of those ways then the links will be there for you to, to do that quickly and um if they're interested in the book menica where's the best place to, to get hold of that it's, it's on amazon so um yeah if you could share the link and uh, it's there Absolutely. I will put the, the link in for that as well. Get straight to it and, uh, and, and get it bought and <laughs> start and smile <laughs> and learn your resilience. That's absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your story. Um, I, I really hope it touches some people out there with, with similar stories and gives them the idea of that choice that can lead to that resilience and, and lead to a different future as you've if you described it. So I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Oh, pleasure's all mine. And I'll speak to you soon. So that brings us to the end of the Leadership Untitled podcast for today. This episode will be called Smile and Learn Resilience. All that remains is for me to again thank Menica for joining me today and bravely sharing her story, as well as all her insights and experiences. And to thank you as well, the listener, for tuning in today. Don't forget, subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. And don't forget, this is also available on YouTube as a video cast if you'd prefer. If you'd like to get in touch with me, then please email me at rob at robinmills.com or visit the webpage of the same name. Until next time, thank you.